Beautiful scenic trail along the old rail bed from Roxbury to Bloomville with its wide path, gentle grade, and durable surface. The Catskills Scenic Trail is designed for year-round outdoor recreation. Hiking, biking, running, horseback riding, and during snow season, snowshoeing and cross-country skiing. Details at CatskillsScenicTrail.org. This is Dan O'Connell, host of Monday Morning Music on WIOX Roxbury. As a WIOX spokesperson, I also manage underwriting for the station, and I'm here to let you know that underwriting on WIOX is a great way to support the station and inform the community about your business or service. If you'd like to become an underwriter, contact me for details at 607-326-3900 or WIOX at WIOXradio.org. You are listening to WIOX Community Radio Live and Local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or them smartphones. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? It's going good, Ryan. What's up? Well, uh, tap trees... Uh, boiled that's really the the bigger thing you can tap trees anytime but it's really when you boil yeah so yeah i got a few boils in and uh you know 2.3 percent sugar content average wow. all right for the first round that's great right? yeah no, it's, yeah it's fine can't complain i uh recalibrated the uh ref- refractometer so i think it's accurate you know sometimes i forget to do that mm-hmm. but they haven't really ran yet Despite it not freezing for a few days, um, you know, no big runs yet, but uh, it's coming. It's mud season down where I am in central Ulster County. Up here, you got the snow. We got no snow. Once you turn the corner, there's there's no snow towards the Rondout and Accord and all that. Yeah. So. No, there's a little bit here, but I think it's going to melt next week, and 
Maybe uh, Delaware County will pick up the maple season. I know a producer over in Delaware, he, 2,000 or so taps. He made 65 gallons the other, other day out of that run. Mm. Yeah. So it's running. It's there. It's time. It's time, you know. Get over it. Right, I'm, I'm tired of at your calendar. Yeah, I'm tired of hearing it's early. You know, you, you gotta go. You gotta make what is it? You gotta make hay when the sun shines. You know, so you gotta boil sap when the temperatures are right. Well, I don't know what else to say. We'll have to coin that term. The whole world will be saying that next. I doubt it. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anyway, um, tonight we uh, tonight's topic is Working in the Woods with Tyler Evans. And Tyler's been a member of the Catskill Forest Association since 2021. And uh, originally from Otego, is that how you say it? Otego, yeah. Where, the, where is that? That's in Otsego um, County? Yeah, Otsego County. Uh, Wait, yeah. It's like, we used to, it's like a half an hour from Oneana. Um, we lived on Briar Creek Road. And, All right. Uh, 13 acres and, yeah. No kidding. And then you moved to Oneana, um joined the Marine Corps for a while, four, mm-hmm. four years, and uh, lived in the city. And But you're back in Otsego County, or no, you're back Delaware in Delaware County, County yeah. in Walton. I moved over. Yeah, and we've had some shows like this where we have um, members of the Catskill Forest Association come on, landowners who are just really enthusiastic about managing their woods. But, um, yeah, just tell us about yourself. Like, what, what got you into the woods, I guess, besides you said you and your brother used to plant 13 acres in Otego. Yeah, yeah so we uh, grew up in that house in Otigo. I think I was like maybe seven or ten years old. I don't exactly remember when we left, but yeah, that was a great place to be a little kid. We used to go out and shoot guns and play in the woods and just play outside all the time. So um, the whole time I was growing up, actually, my uh, my great-grandmother had property in East Meredith, and uh, that's where we always used to go out, and she had like a farm out there, and uh, property and ride dirt bikes and shoot guns and just do all the country stuff and um, yeah did small game hunting uh, squirrels turkeys uh, rabbits what kind of dirt bike uh, yeah it was a KX 125 yeah how was that <laughs> it was dangerous <laughs> it was definitely dangerous uh, but it was fun you know that's how I that's how I learned how to ride a motor you know how to how to work a clutch with my hand and. I uh, ended up getting my motorcycle license eventually. And, um, oh, yeah? You still got it? Yep. yep. Yeah, nice. I don't have a bike right now. But. Anybody uh, give you a proper introduction, or they just gave you the bike and said, here you go? Not really. Yeah. yeah. I think we just kind of figure it out. Yeah, that was my, <laughs> you know, that was my I could barely touch the ground. Too, was, here, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I remember not being able to touch the ground, really. You had to, like, keep her moving, because if you, you know, you might, it was a heavy bike for a, you know, I don't know, we were probably, like, 14, 15 years old, so. Yeah. But yeah, we had a lot of fun out there. I was and, always uh, jealous of the kids who rode dirt bikes because you know we, we just had BMXs and mongooses and the mountain bikes. But yeah, it looked like a lot of fun. I I got my motorcycle license later on, but never had a dirt bike. They are fun. I actually I bought a, a YZ125 probably like a year or two ago, and I had it at the property that I have now in uh, in Walton, and um, I used to go out and ride that on the trails. And it was a blast, but you know, the more I rode it, the more I realized like this is not gonna, it's not gonna end well. You yeah. know, like out when you're out on the, it's a hilly property. There's a ton of rocks on the trails. Yeah. You can't stop. Really, there's no kickstand on the dirt bikes. So it's not like you can stop and do anything. And uh, it was just like every time I rode it, eventually I was kind of like, man, I wish I was kind of wish I was on the four wheeler. 
yeah. so I could stop. And I'm always seeing a tree or a, or a whatever else that I want to go look at or mark something. And, and All right, so yeah. you can't stop. You just got to lean up against a tree or something, huh? Yeah, and there's not always a, a tree right there, you know, that you can get up against. So I sold it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you talk about playing in the woods, and it's like, some, you know, I feel like that's where it begins for a lot of people, you know? I, that, I just used to ride my bike through the woods, and it, it imprints on certain kids, and they want to go back to it, and some people, seems like they never do, but usually that's where it starts, I think. Yeah. Walking up a stream, finger fishing, don't tell... Don't finger tell fishing? The, don't tell the law. Right, there's a statute of limitations. <laughs> I mean, who's gonna, I, was, I was, what, eight, seven? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, did you catch some? Yeah, brook trout. Nice. Yeah. Put it back. Come on. Why don't you kill him? Eight-year-old eats everything he catches, man. <laughs> yeah, of course. You can't throw it back. Yeah, I didn't think so. But that's cool. So, all right. Um, you know, what what kind of property were you looking for? Why did you settle on the property you have there in Walton? Yeah. Um, what were you looking for when you... First of all, why Walton? I mean, you're from Oneana. It's like a different right. world. Yeah. Uh, well, I started looking for, I started looking at properties and from around like 2020 into 2021. And um, I knew I wanted acreage. I knew I wanted uh, some forest. I knew I needed a garage. I wanted a wood stove. I wanted a front porch, you know. And um, What are you doing on the front porch? Front porch sitting. <laughs> what else do you do on the front right. porch? I don't watching know. the cars go by, watching the leaves. I'm glad you say that because you know you see these people with front porches and you know a few Nobody's of them are ever there. on it. What the yeah. heck are they doing? Some of them are huge too. I know. I got the wainscoting and everything going on. It looks great. I saw a guy snow blowing his front porch the other day, and I just looked to the person next snow to me and said, "If I ever have a deck so large that I need to snow blow it." And I can't shovel it. Just, just hit me. That's the last time I ever saw someone on their porch just drinking a drink, just sitting there. It's never. It's been since at least July. Anyway, you need to change that. <laughs> not so many your, young people. That's just the, that. <laughs> not many young people. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, cleaning anyway. off the deck though, cleaning off the uh, front porch, uh, leaf blower works really well. If there's oh, not, yeah? if it's not heavy snow, yeah, oh, yeah. it's just the, the dusty stuff. Yeah. You got a lot of toys, don't you? I do. I don't like my toys. What kind of leaf toys? <laughs> is it battery or the gas? Or? Uh, it's gas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one that so anyway, when I found this property, it was just like, this is the one, you know. And uh, I hadn't looked at many properties before that, but um, uh, really another great part about the house was uh, these people were selling it with everything in it, furniture, silverware, pots and pans, uh, yes. Everything in the garage. So there was a couple four wheelers out there. Uh, the leaf blower was out there. Even the four wheelers, huh? Yeah, yeah. Where'd they go? Florida? Uh, I think they just bought a new house up upstate. I think they actually they built a house. Okay. But um, it worked out pretty well for me, and hopefully for them too. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, I was I was very grateful to have to find that house and with everything in it. And uh, I was moving up from a little tiny Brooklyn apartment, so I was. That I, I needed furniture and I needed all the stuff and so it really worked out great. Yeah. How's the uh, any hunting there or small game? You said you used to small game hunt. Yeah, I used to small game hunt. I have never actually uh, deer hunted, but that's on my list of things to get into. I actually uh, this season um, it was like a couple days after opening day, and I saw it looked like I think a six or an eight pointer like right in my backyard. So, you know, I'll, I'll get out there eventually. Um, 
and I'm always managing for wildlife. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of turkeys, um, a lot of deer. There's some bear walking around. Um, they don't really cause too too much of a problem. But uh, so when you're looking for your property, did you have a list of must-haves for the woods or the property in general? Um, kind of just the things that I mentioned. You know, I needed a garage. I needed the I wanted the wood stove and a deck and. Uh, I guess I kind of had a picture in my head, um, but the landscape features and the and the forest and fields and yeah, not really. I mean, um, looking back, I guess maybe I would have been a little more selective, but uh, I got exactly the property that I wanted, and they had a ton of trails already out there, um, tree stands already in the trees. You know, it was just like a turnkey. It was perfect for me, so. Um, worked out great i'm super happy with it very very lucky to have found that property and to to be where i'm at sounds like it awesome yeah yeah it's great how would you uh how would you describe it like is it mostly field mostly forested forest yeah hills and forest okay yeah uh there's very little flat cleared land um there's uh it's almost all like in a in kind of a hillside uh I would say probably 95%, 90-95% forested. Um, so that's one of the things I wish I had more of now is flat, cleared land. It would be great to, you know. <laughs> Doesn't <like> everybody? <laughs> yeah. If I wanted to, you know, if I have, you know, like you said, I have quite a few big boy toys now. And uh, I know where the tractor's sitting outside, implements are sitting outside. I have tarps over stuff, but it'd be great to have, yeah. you know, some kind of a building to put things under. And like, where, where do you put that? Yeah, talking room. about building a pole barn, or yeah, yeah, a pole barn or like a metal building. It'd be great to have like an enclosed building, but at the very least, something to keep the elements off of the equipment. Mm-hmm. Is there anything now that um, you thought your property had, or you envision that now that you learn more about the forest, it's actually lacking? I'm thinking, like, maybe you thought there was a great timber resource that maybe you learn more about and it's not so much, or vice versa? Yeah, vice versa. Actually, the more I've learned about um, forestry and and trees and all that stuff, the more I'm out in the woods on the trail and I'm like, wow, look at that. That's, like, a really nice tree, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, even after having a, a hardwood harvest, I still see a ton of... I could probably have the same exact harvest again you know tomorrow there's just a he um my forester did a great job uh select with you know doing a selective cut and really leaving a lot of good quality timber um behind so yeah i've uh i've been really just there's still areas of the property that i haven't walked on which is so cool you know that's like part of the um Part of the fun of getting out there is I always, almost always, I see things that I never really noticed before, and I'm always taking note and, you know, new projects that I want to do and all kinds of stuff like that. So. What was the, the land use history of the property? Was it a dairy farm, or do you know? Or It was definitely a mill behind the house. There was, there was a, a mill behind the house? Uh, yeah. What kind There's, of mill? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I'm always trying to learn more about it, um, but there was definitely a mill. There's a huge stone what was like a, a dam behind the house it's 
Yeah, Ryan, if you ever get a chance to visit his property, it's it's unique. So you, it's pretty typical to see somewhere of an old stone structure for like a mill wheel, but his stone structure is giant. Yeah. You could tell there was a really big mill pond back there at one time. Yeah. They a sawmill to power something? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I would say probably a sawmill, I mean, given like where the property is, but... I've seen pictures, aerial photos that I got from, uh, I think, Soil and Water District. Yeah. And uh, the amount of water that was behind that is just massive, like a small lake yeah. behind that thing. You know, the uh, Towns Historical Society might have information, or um, even Dr. Michael Kudish might have it on a map somewhere up in your valley. Mm-hmm. You didn't was, say there's a mill, mill wheel, though, right? Did you? No, but it looks like that's what it powered. Oh, all right. The way that the stones were built. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, I, yeah. I thought you said there's a wheel, like maybe a grist mill or something, but it sounds like a sawmill, maybe. Yeah, I think it's a sawmill. Yeah, you can tell looking at it. Um, they blasted out the, the middle of it so the brook could flow through it, but on the other so there's my house side, which is like a, there's a huge, really tall wall. And then on the other side of the brook, there's also uh, some stone structure, like the other half of the of the dam. And then there's kind of like a stone pile next to it where I think they probably, in between those two things, they had like the the mill building, the structure, the, you know, the wood or whatever else they had to hold up the wheel and, uh, you know. Right. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But it is very, it's very cool. The size of the rocks on that thing, like 20 feet up, it just... I don't know how, even with an excavator or like modern day technology to get those rocks up there would have been hmm. a tough. Interesting, yeah. So, yeah, they're huge. You ever go to Hanford Mills and check out? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's one it of the is. cooler things I've ever seen when they run it. Yeah, we went out there. Water-powered uh, sawmill. Yeah, I think I was in elementary school or, yeah, sometime when I was in school we went out there and that was that was really cool. Yeah, over in East Meredith. It, I mean, yeah, it's like ancient technology. Meanwhile, it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we drove right by it to get to my great-grandma's house. Okay. So, East Meredith. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, what else about the property before we move on? Um, what kind of tree species are there now? Uh, what kind red, of stands, yeah? Yeah, red maple, sugar maple, um, yellow birch, hemlock, black yeah. birch, uh, beech. I'm doing. I'm trying to get rid of some of the beach, actually, but red because oak. beach bark uh, disease. Yeah, beach bark disease. There's just a ton of whips. Yeah. You know, when you talk about regeneration, um, there's just there's no. You know, there's. I just want to get more sunlight onto the um, onto the forest floor, and uh, so I just actually did a bunch of hack and squirt um, in November, I think it was, before the frost uh, came. And, yeah. Uh, we'll see how it does. Um, it works. Yeah. I guess you can do it any time of year, really, even in the winter. Hmm. I was told it has to be before the frost for the roots to eh. suck down the. But we'll see. Yeah, that be that would be great if I could do it all year round because I'm always trying to catch it. These last couple two years, I've been. Last year I wanted to do it and it was too late, and then this year I actually got out and I put a, probably a good eight or ten hours in. Yeah, Penn, Penn State Extension's got a lot of good information. I always recommend. Going there, not that Corn- Cornell does too, but mm. but Penn State has a lot of short, you know, things about that. Mm-hmm. They're they're using it. They're dealing with beach just as much as us. Yep. But um, one of the things that I found on the property, I'm still finding, is uh, springs. 
there's a ton of springs, which is always cool to find. I think that's just so neat when you you walk, you know, you're just walking through the woods and there's like a stream flowing through, and then I've traced them back, and there's almost always a rock with the with the with the spring coming out from underneath it, and it's just kind of like a little uh, micro ecosystem, you know, in the forest, and uh, it always feels good to have supply of fresh water, you know, no matter what, and. Yeah. For me, for the wildlife. They're all running, or there's some of them are seasonal, probably? Um, I think they run more at certain times of the year, but uh, most of them are all always running, yeah. Cool. Yeah. What's the um, aspect and elevation of the property about? Um, like which probably, way does it face? Uh, south. Um, southeast. That can be Wait. good for fruit trees. Yeah. Yeah, southeast facing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, there's a there's a big hill behind my house, which is a, the majority of my property is on that hill. And um, the sun will set behind that hill, even in the summertime. The sun goes over that hill, like you know, four o'clock. So mm. I do lose that sunlight, but on a hot day, it's actually yeah. pretty pretty nice when the whole property's in the shade and you right. can go out and work and not be in direct sunlight. Yeah, for fruit trees, you know, you know, south facing is usually good. There's a guy's property. In West Shokin, and he put in so much work planting these apple trees. You know where it is, right? I'm not gonna say the road, but um, the trees are just dying, and and uh, he's had people look at them and see if they're diseased, and I, I think it's just because it's north facing, and he already has the wood line creeping in from mm-hmm. two sides. It's north facing, and it's just it's too bad because they want to grow, mm-hmm. yeah. but they get they're getting shade, man. And he's on the side of a mountain. You know, so, but so, you know, just telling people south facing is preferred. Yep. Uh, There's actually uh, a a lot of wild apple trees on the property. Um, so my, uh, my property, there's a, most of the acreage is behind the house and the house is like pretty much right up on the road. And then actually across the road, there's another chunk of acreage that I bought with a whole, you know, package deal. And, uh, so I basically look right across the road at, like, um, you know, I own that too, and there's uh, probably 20 or 25 apple trees right across the road, which is like really cool, uh, really pretty in the springtime. Um, you know, one of the projects I did is uh, went out and um, cleaned them all up, pruned them all. They had um, honeysuckle and. All kinds of stuff growing up. I mean, you guys probably see this every day, um, but now they're growing really nice. And, yeah, uh, yeah, they're cool. I'm actually up trying to graft, um, trying to graft some different varieties onto them because they're just, you know, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's what we do: bark graft, and we're collecting sinewood right now. Yeah, um, right up the road from me, actually. That I, I know some people who used to have a uh, used to have uh like a, a plant business used to have like a nursery um and they have a ton of uh blueberry bushes and apple trees like they're kind of like you know like um just a ton of really different varieties of apple trees so whenever mm-hmm. whenever it's uh time to do pruning i always let him know save me some cyan wood and then he's yeah. happy to give it to me and I mess around with that there you go yeah I mean, they're adapted to your site, too, so that's good. Yep. You know? yep. yep. Huh. 
Well, I mean, you mentioned the lack of um, kind of open space, but from the first time I met you to the second time, you kind of made your own open space out there across the street. I did. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah, so when I bought the property, that, that parcel across the road that I was talking about, there was uh, about seven acres of Norway spruce uh, plantation. Just like they planted it like corn in rows, you know, a long time ago. And these trees were fully mature as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they were just packed in so tight. And uh, Did you count any of the rings by chance? How no, old they were about? That's a great point. I should have. Yeah, next time. There's got to be some stumps around, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I can probably find one, but I did. Maybe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of right. took care of the stumps. But. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. So, yeah, looking across the road, um, I had these seven acres of some of the flattest land on the property was all uh, spruce trees. And, I mean, it was so thick you could hardly walk through it. And um, so I uh, clear-cut it. Um, I found a, a, a guy that had the right equipment and came out and clear-cut it. Um, well, how, I mean, how, don't just breeze over that. I mean, how, how hard was that process to get involved with? What sparked the idea that you could even do this in general? Yeah, um, I guess the longer I looked at them, the more I thought, like, wouldn't it be great if I could just, like, clear all that land? Seven uh, acres? Seven well, acres, yeah. yeah. So it's pretty big. Re- yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the idea kind of came up, and um, someone introduced me to uh, Foothill Sustainable Forestry, Sam Beisler, and he came out and looked at them, and um, he had a feller buncher which is the perfect tool to do that kind of a harvest as far as I'm concerned. Cause yeah, the necessary tool, really. Yeah, the trees are all uniform. They're all in a row. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so I hooked up with Sam. He came out and looked at it, and he um, decided to take the job. And uh, so I got to watch that whole harvest from across the road. Um, and it was just – it was really cool to watch it. I mean, they took the – they took the wood out on tractor trailers. Uh, almost 300,000 board feet um, came off of it. So. so you had a market for it. I mean, Norway spruce usually consider low grade, but you must have tapped into some market. Do you know where they went? Um, I do. I mean, I can tell you where uh, the mills were, like the names of the mills. I don't know exactly where yeah, I the mills if they're were located. Pennsylvania or, or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, you know, I was just elated to see it go and get that land cleared and um so uh they did the harvest and all that went really well and um i took the the check from the wood from the timber sale and uh i found a contractor that uh could come in and mulch everything so you gotta it looked like a like a bomb went off over there the all the slash and all the stumps and everything was uh, the land was really, you couldn't even hardly walk across it. Um, and so these guys came in and mulched everything to grade stumps and branches and all that stuff. And uh, they actually hydro seeded. Um, they're going to come back and hydro seed again because I think that there's so much mulch on the ground that getting that seed to go down through and actually right. make contact with the soil, it's, I'll probably have to overseed it for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, got that land pretty much cleared and now it's just um trying to turn it into field pasture yeah so what's the goal there yeah just getting getting that growing healthy um 
there's a I'm not sure what I can ultimately do with it. Maybe maybe livestock if I want to go that way. I'm not really sure I want to make that. That's a lot of work too. So yeah, what what didn't you like about it? just you just thought they're just taking up space in Norway spruce? Yeah, just not much benefit you saw. Yeah, no, there's not really. It was just kind of some of the flattest acreage that I owned, and it was just totally yeah. taken up by these trees. That I mean, they're beautiful trees, but um, I would much rather have field that i could use for something else you know i mean you're one of the few people that in this region that takes advantage of what you know one of the intent one of the many intended purposes of planting them is to be harvested right Mm -hmm. as a crop i mean the first reason was for you know soil stabilization things like that but at least that was the thought process back in the day and yeah. um, the idea was to be able to thin them out, manage them as a as a forested crop, and you did it. Most people don't, and they can't because they were never managed. Um, they blow over mm-hmm. and create a big tangled mess. Sometimes I call it the 60-year pause on the northern hardwood forest because <laughs> what grows in after they all blow down is the forest that would have been there anyway. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's nice to see it. It's really a rare thing because did anybody tell you along the way that it couldn't be done? Um, no, not really. Actually, I had uh, somebody from this. Uh, his name's Carl Von Berg from the Watershed Ag yeah, Council. We know. Him. Yep. yep, he's a great guy, and uh, he came out, and I was talking to him about. Man, it would be great to just get all these trees out of here. And uh, he actually hooked me up with Sam. Cool. So credit goes to to Carl for um, for hooking us up. And uh, yeah, it was never thinned. <laughs> I can tell you that right. it was never thinned, and it actually wasn't. It never really had a lot of blowdown either. Uh, the trees were just growing, um, you know, as healthy as they could grow with as with as tight as they were planted. And uh, I I think it was a good time to to harvest them and and you know make use of the land. We've had so many calls and questions about spruce and pine stands. And most, you know, they're never thin. The tops look terrible. They're susceptible to insects and disease damage. And people will try to blame climate and all this crap. But really, it is just, it's just cultural. They were meant to be thinned, you know, and meant to be harvested at some point. And they just never were. Yep. They're planted in the 60s. Some some go back to the CCC, Civilian Conservation Corps, if they're really old. But a lot were planted in the 60s, I guess, too, in 70s. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they're, they're Gary much, says they got paid good money when he was a kid in the 60s to plant those as, as in fields. Yeah. Gary Mead, who's on the show every third Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, I forget what he said per hour. It was a lot. I was surprised. Yeah, for the 60s, it was huge. I mean, it was almost good money at that time. That I know. He talked about it. Um, I wish I could go back and tell him, don't, don't plant these trees, well, please. I know. So, I mean, the, uh, they plant so, them on flat land. Yeah, I mean, what Jesus? That's what it was before. It was all it was ag field. I don't know what they had. Maybe livestock or something out there. Terrible. Well, I mean, (laughs) there's wet portions of it, and that's why some of that um, some of that apples out there, and you can see where the wet spots are today when you walk it. But I mean, that's probably was it was part of an an abandoning farm. Mm -hmm. Like my grandfather's USDA farm plan. I have a copy of it from 1959, I think it is, or 58. It's really cool because there's an overhead flyover picture, so I know what it looked like back then we still own the property today so um in that plan was called for a plantation of that pasture he never did it i'm really glad that he didn't because i would be stuck with that mess right now the neighbor did so ryan knows where it's at and uh the neighbor did and that stand 
in my lifetime has been marked for thinning twice. I'm 31 years old, so it has never been thinned. It's it's just non-saleable as according to the foresters that market and and what's involved. So at this point, that stand's going to have to be clear cut like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be really happy to see that happen. I just don't know if it will or not. Well, but. think about how much more than that piece would be worth if it was. Oh yeah, if it was a field value of the property Absolutely. for sure. You know, they used to call that improvement, improved land. At <laughs> improved one time. land. Right? You know, and there's a place for trees, obviously, you know, working for the Catskill Forest Association, but the limited thing is open spa- open fields now. I mean, it's just not as many of them. Yeah. I mean, it's not what Or to start it over is young forest, too. I mean, I'm not saying in your case, but in some of these cases, it's an unnatural forest type, there's no doubt. And, and it's an agricultural, it's still an ag, in my opinion, these plantations. Um, they're, like you said, they're row crop trees. Uh, oftentimes there's non-native species of Norway spruce. Uh, so start it over. Let it just come back to the brush lot, right, mm-hmm. as the farmers yeah. call it. They, um, I mean, they can be good for deer wintering yards. They have some benefit. Everything has a benefit and cost. Sure. My parents live next to one, and I think there's a covenant that you can't cut them down unless they pose a hazard. But they're all swizzle sticks, you know, 60 feet or more tall. And every once in a while, one brushes the house or comes close because, you know, it's on the na- the property line's not too far away. Yeah. A liability. Most people, there's one guy over in Accord, and he lives amongst the pine plantation. That guy has probably thousands of dollars of tree work around his house. Yeah. He's got a little ranch house. He's got thousands of dollars of tree work that eventually someone is going to have. And I see one of them, there's two houses in that plantation. One's for sale. I hope whoever buys the house knows that they're going to have to take care of all of these Q-tip crown pine, red pine, that's going to have to be dealt with, you know? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a nightmare, especially when you put a house in it, you know? Yeah, spears through the roof now. Yep. <laughs> One of the worst things they did was they planted, I'm sure they were really cute for a while, these uh, Norway spruce, but they planted them on the house side of the road, like going down. It's a beautiful view that was completely blocked by... Uh, these Norway spruce trees, and um, I was like, "What? Well, you know, they probably looked good for fifteen, maybe fifteen or, or so years until they completely blocked the view, beautiful view of this valley." And uh, Sam actually felled those trees for me when he was um, nice. when yeah, completely. Just a, he's a great guy, and uh, so he felled those trees right onto my yard, and I I cleaned them up. That was a, it was a lot of work, but um, cleaned them up myself and. Then when the contractors came to do the mulching, they ground the stumps. So those trees are completely gone. It looks awesome. Wow. I mean, yeah. Amazing. Did you get a, um, you know, were you, I assume you talked to Sam quite a bit during this process. Did you get a feel for how much of this he does? Is he focusing on these softwood plantations or this is just part of his work? Um, I'm not sure if he focuses on them. I'm sure he does a good deal of them. Uh with the equipment that he has, I think he probably does mostly yeah. those. So now every time I'm driving down the road and I see the plantations, you know, you can pick them out from like on Google Maps or on a hillside. It's just yeah. a huge square of pine trees. And I'm like, I wonder yeah. if those people know. And nothing in nature is square. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if those people know that there, there's an option, you know. And mm. so guys like Sam yeah. are out there and uh, 
they have the equipment and the experience to do it. So yeah. yeah, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest, and tonight's topic is working in the woods with Tyler Evans. Uh, up next, we'll ask Tyler about his big boy toys. You know, gotta talk a bit about that. All right, oh, yeah. we'll be back. <laughs> You can find it all 
Okay, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is working in the woods with Tyler Evans. He's a member of the Catskill Forest Association, bought some land over in Walton, and uh, he's quite enthusiastic about being outside in his woods. He's a, a knuckle-dragging uh, wood burner, right? How much wood you got these days? Uh, more than I need for the season. All right. And, well, and next season. But it's money in the bank. Hell yeah. It's great. I love looking out, looking out the wood pile. Just, you know, makes you feel good. You're an investor of wood. Yeah, investor in... Uh, you know, the a big part of it for me is just the independence. Yeah. Just to know that, like, no matter what happens, I'm not going to be cold. That's right. Know? Yeah. And then I got the fresh water on the property, too. So. Yeah, my mother know, came to... over the other day just to sit in front of the wood stove because her power was out. That's right. Yeah. Said, See? <laughs> yeah. That's nice. That's right, man. No, I, I still like feeling some independence, you know? Yeah. You know, just in case. I mean, the power does go out. It went out uh, when we had those storms not long ago. My yeah, power goes out all the time because yeah. I live at the very northern edge of central Hudson. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, you know, there's, it's in the woods and everyone's got a generator. That's how you know your power goes out a lot when all your neighbors have invested in generators. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty often. lucky. My It doesn't go out too often. Um, but, you know, I like to know that I'm going to be warm no matter what uh, and uh, it doesn't matter what the price of anything does I'm going to have heat and I like being warm Rig really not warm. like 66 <laughs> degrees turning up the oil furnace or boiler no, no, I'm going to be blankets. warm yeah. All right. yeah. you get used to being warm after a while I used to only like the house probably 66 67 degrees once in my one, one time in my life not anymore I've gotten, I've been spoiled. I've gotten used to 72. Yeah. If you're too hot, open a window. I open a damn window. Get some fresh air, pal. Uh, I got up in the middle of the night and uh, maybe I screwed up, but I got up in the middle of the night and uh, looked at the thermometer and I was up for the baby or whatever and it says 80.1. I'm you like, screwed up. No, I just looked at it and go, nice. <laughs> it's probably too hot for everybody else. Though. That was uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Open a window. Yeah, that's right. Fresh air is good. You know, so anyway, oh yeah, your big boy toys. What do you What do you got now? Working in the woods with? Yeah, so that's definitely one of the. It's definitely really fun for me to get out and play with the toys. You know, I have uh, got a tractor. Uh, it says like a sixty nineteen eighty four uh, Kubota uh, four wheel drive. Like a, I think it's like a sixty one horsepower tractor, but um, that's a game changer. Uh, I have a, a logging winch on that, so being able to take take logs out of the out of the woods or even hook on. The other day, I got my the ranger stuck. One of the very few times that that's happened, and you know you can winch yourself out, um, and just you know different projects. So having that winch on there, how'd uh, you get it stuck? It's really muddy. Yeah, you're talking about snow before. We have some snow. It's just yeah. enough to yeah. make things like really. Over in that field, really sloppy cleared. chains, yeah, man. Sloppy. Yeah, it's, I don't think it would have mattered. You got a winch <laughs> on, was on pretty, that? I do, but the thing was pointing straight out. Couldn't reach it. No, there was nothing damn. for like hundreds of yards in front of me. So, oh, man. But, you know, it's nice to. That's what the tractor's for. So, yeah. fire up the tractor and pull it out. And uh, I also on the tractor have um, a grapple. I think it's precision instruments or something that I got 
anyway, it's basically like a giant claw on the front of your loader, and you can just basically scoop up anything, logs, brush, treetops, anything, and clamp it down by like a big hand on the front of your tractor, and that's been a game changer too. Uh, I mean, think about how long it would take to pick up and throw all the brush and sticks and stuff into the back of a truck and then yeah. take the truck over I can imagine. and try to and then unload it with the with the grapple you just go up scoop it take it wherever you want dump it uh not to mention you know picking up logs and carrying logs around or even if i want to cut logs and get them off the ground grab a little log lift it up then i can cut it you know off the ground and so those are definitely some awesome <laughs> very nice to have which one's your favorite? If you had to pick one. Uh, of all the toys? Yeah. Polaris Ranger. Yeah. 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 Polaris Ranger. It's a it's a 1,000. I don't have a lot of fancy stuff on it. You know, they make them, like, really stupid fancy now with, like, yeah. doors and heat and all that kind of stuff. But mine, uh, I have a winch. I have a brush guard. I have rock sliders, which I would highly recommend for anybody who... Rock rocks, sliders? Yeah, so the rock sliders are um, the metal... They're like metal bars that you bolt on right beneath where you step in to the ranger. So if you're, like, taking a corner tight and there's a rock or a stump or anything like that, if you bump into that and there's nothing there, you're just going to crack that plastic. Uh. So what the rock slider does is it basically you just bounce off of it. So you just drive around like you don't care now? But yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've saved me. Those rock sliders have saved me multiple times. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Ranger is definitely uh, probably the biggest one. I mean, just be, I used to do all this work on uh, with four-wheelers. Yeah. And so you, I had like a milk crate on the back of my four-wheeler and try to put, you know, the the saw oil and your chains and your chainsaw and all your stuff into that little crate and bungee it all down. And then you're bouncing around. You know, I, I got a lot done. And I, I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. Because once I had the Ranger, I, now I'm looking back like, how did I even... How did I survive? How did I survive? <laughs> how did I even live right? in this spoiled. world? <laughs> spoiled, yeah. But um, with the Ranger, you know, you just uh, throw everything in the back and, and you go. And yeah. uh, it's a dump box, too. So you can throw, I don't know, whatever you need. Uh, whether I've, I've hauled out some um, some cut wood in there and... Doesn't need to be registered either. No, like no. the ATV. No, it doesn't. Uh, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I live out in the middle of nowhere, so you know, we can. You got the seatbelt always clicked on, so you can bypass the governor, or you I hop in and go. Hop in and go. <laughs> Just say I hop in and go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our safety seat. I'm jumping. I'm jumping in and out of the thing so often yeah. that a seatbelt is. Uh, yeah. You know, just hang on. I know. I feel the same way about our tundra, you know? <laughs> well, sometimes you're in a field working, and you don't ride around your seatbelt on because you're literally going 10 miles per hour. That thing will not let you do it. It's oh, weird. it doesn't allow you it to go over? It covers down to 15 miles an hour if you don't have the seatbelt clicked in. So we clip uh, it behind our backs. Well, you're talking about the Polaris. I'm don't about get in trouble, guys. Oh, the truck? Yeah. The tundra don't stop beeping, man. Oh, yeah, I think it beeps too much, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like grass. My Subaru does the same thing. It, you know, most of these vehicles they they beep for whatever. Do you know minutes. our Tundra won't let you go in reverse with the door open? Spikes oh, the brakes nice. on you. Spikes the brakes. Won't let you hook up to the trailer either if you get too close. It thinks you're about to back into a car and spikes the brakes. It's very nice. sensitive. Everything just slides very out sensitive. of the back of the truck. And <laughs> well, sometimes you need to open the door to see if there's a rock there, right? Something, you know. Yeah, maybe you just don't feel like closing it. That's right. 
Yeah, I know. Oh, uh, so those big toys. What about small toys like uh, it's not toys, but chainsaws? What, what do you run? Chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. So Let's uh, talk chainsaws. The go-to chainsaw for me is um, the MS250. That was my first chainsaw, and that's still the one that I'll grab. Um, I have a I have an MS170, which is much is smaller and lighter, and that's great for you know doing pruning work or just clearing the trails or something. It's the lightest one I have. So why are you a steel guy with a husky dealer in town? Yeah, what's going on? He's dealing steels now. Is he actually. really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, he does both now. What happened? Yeah, he's a he great was guy. always husky. McAdams. Um, yeah, he's he's Here's doing both. I was like, you can do both. Is that a thing? Is that oh, yeah. a thing? Yeah, he can. You can't do that. Yeah, don't you have to pick one? Yeah, don't they compete? <laughs> yeah, so he's got it okay. all. Okay. I actually, um, so I have three. So I have an MS one seventy. It's the smallest one. MS two fifty. That's the go to, and an MS three ninety or three ninety one. I'm not sure which one, but that's a bigger saw. And uh, but if you just want one, I would highly recommend like a two fifty. Um, it's it's great. I've actually done a ton of TSI, uh, t- timber stand improvement. Uh, it's light enough. You can walk around the woods with it, you know, going under and over stuff. And um, it's got enough power to take a tree down easily. So I'm happy with that one. I just don't understand steel. You know, their nomenclature does not have CC in, in those numbers. Yeah. Whereas Husqvarna does. So I don't I don't even know what that is, 291. It's like a 45, 50 okay. cc. Oh, the, yeah, that, uh, the 391 is, I think, probably like Six, a 60. Yeah. yeah, something like that. The, the MS250, I think, is like a 45 or a 40 right. cc. So, yeah, the one you, they, that you're using for TSI would be like a 550 cc or a 50 cc Husqvarna. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The old 346. The old 346, man. Mm-hmm. But once you go 3 eighths chain... You never go back. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all about the power to weight ratio. Oh, I know. If anybody's looking at like which which chainsaw do I, you know, that's just maximize your power to weight ratio yeah. where you're, um, you get the most power for the chainsaw that you carry around. And uh, yeah, you say you you don't know how you survive for so long, you know, without the players. Once we went to three eighths and used the five sixty two, you cut through wood so much faster than that. I'll have to try it. Then, then what, what is it, 058, what is it? 325? 325, sorry, I can remember now. And then, if you really want to get crazy Uh-oh. on your smaller size, you can change the sprocket size, go to an 8-tooth sprocket, or drop it down and put a 3 eighths chain on your smaller saw. You're going to love life. <laughs> yeah. Fly out of your hand? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's going to spin at a different, it's going to spin at a rate that it can accommodate a bigger chain. Yeah. Then all, all of a sudden, you're really cutting. But, yeah, the 3 eighths chain is just... Yeah. It eats up wood so much faster than wow. than that, and you can knock it, you know, knock down to a skip chain on that smaller saw. So there's less biting at once. Yeah. Oh yeah, be, skip chain. Could You're be wasting the next game so changer. much time with sharpening. You know. Yeah. Because there's so many damn. And teams. this guy's gonna be porting his saws and custom exhaust. He's gonna do all the stuff. Yeah, people in New York State don't really do that. You know, when I go on these trains in Connecticut, watch it. Wait until you go to that training in Connecticut this year. They all doing that. Those arborists out there, they pour them out and soup them up. Crazy mm-hmm. guys. No one does that around here. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know anyone? No, I don't know anyone. I don't. I've done a little modifications to mine, but nothing. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Then you get lightweight bars. You running uh, lightweight bars? Um, I run the stock bar. Stock on, bar. Uh, MS two fifty. Yeah. The one seventy is so light that I don't really don't. Right. No, yeah, yeah, not worried about it. 
Um, well, if you start getting length on your bar, get get those epoxy cutout ones or the aluminum cores, mm-hmm. then you have really your weight ratio is back on it. Yeah, I made the mistake actually of uh, I found that the bar on my 390 was um, needed to be replaced. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed <laughs> it was uh, significantly bent, and I I accidentally bought a pro grade bar, which is way heavier than what I need. So oh yeah. Yeah, mm. there's a difference. Right. So. so what about propagating plants? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've, um, I'm establishing a, a little nursery. Um, I planted out uh, a bunch of different plants that can be propagated by cuttings. So that's um, a lot of elderberries and grapes and gooseberries. And, uh, I mean, I can never remember the... Um, the whole list uh dogwoods um uh <clears throat> yeah a, a, a ton of stuff um elderberry i think i already mentioned that one anyway um and so yeah i planted them out in the nursery and uh letting them grow and then the plan for the nursery is to propagate that stuff by uh cuttings so um cool. the, you know in the with certain plants you can cut off fresh growth stick it in the dirt uh, keep it out of direct sunlight, you know, and make sure the soil's moist enough and it'll grow roots and you basically have a clone yeah. of that plant. Which ones lend themselves best to cuttings? Um, yeah, the uh, gooseberry, elderberry. Um, gooseberry does, huh? Yeah. You just cut and take a cutting off and stick in the ground? Yeah, again, I'm kind of learning as I go. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> but uh, I got some gooseberries. Um, hydrangea actually uh is one of the plants that i put in the nursery and that one you know cut off fresh growth put it in the i have like a i built like kind of a sandbox um with like construction grade sand and it's right behind my uh garage in the shade so stick the stuff in there and let it sit for you know put it in there in the winter time let it sit until you know fall the next year and it's got roots and it's growing leaves and it's it's a clone of the plant so that was pretty cool but um, I wanted to talk about the the TSI work that I did and the and working with a forester. Oh yeah, that's if we can pivot to yeah. definitely. So whatever. So yeah, um, I did a. Uh, I have a ton of ash trees on my property, and I found out about the emerald ash borer and um, wanted to you know get something out of those trees before they basically died and rotted and fell over and so uh i started talking to a forester um about doing a hardwood harvest i i met up with uh daniel newman and uh i worked with him to do the hardwood cut um mostly ash uh soft maple um basically he just threw the other varieties in there to make the volume enough to have a logger come out and um did the hardwood uh harvest that worked out really well and um since i hooked up with daniel uh he i had him mark out some um timber stand improvement uh work for that i wanted to do on my own so he went out and he marked up the the trees to cut down and i went out there with my chainsaw and i probably did like an acre and a half it's it's hard it's hard work (laughs) i got really good at uh felling trees I just felled and felled and felled and felled trees and, you know, made mistakes and, and learned from them. And that's how I basically built the confidence that I have now to, to, um, 
do other TSI or uh, wildlife crop. Like I have a bunch of some red oaks on my property. I'm trying to favor the red oaks, so I've been doing a bunch of work um, trying to release those. And uh, because I did all that TSI um, on a kind of a smaller scale, I have the confidence to walk up to a red oak that I really don't want to damage because that's the tree I'm trying to protect and promote the growth of and uh, and to cut the trees around that red oak. And um, that's where I would suggest for anyone to, to start who's, uh, you know, like, where do I start? Um, talk to a forester and just, uh, you know, talk about your goals, your management goals for your property with your forester and um, make him aware that, or her, make them aware that you're willing to do the work yourself and have them go mark the trees for you and go out and cut them and enjoy, yeah. you know. And what do you learn. think would happen if you didn't cut around those red oaks? Um, <laughs> most of them are pretty tall. Like yeah. there's nothing that's that's shading them out. They're yeah. they're huge. I mean they're so they're really cool trees, and um, I think they would probably continue to grow. Be dominant, uh, but yeah, they would they wouldn't be shaded out. But when you clear out all the, you know, I'm looking at maybe 15 or 20 or 30 feet away, uh, anything that's that could possibly throw shade on that tree, I'm I'm cutting it down. Yeah. And then you kind of get to a place where you have to make a call, a judgment call, you know, to yourself, what's more valuable. Like, because you might have a really nice hard maple right next to your red oak. So yeah. now it's like, well, what's more important? And um, you know, sometimes, I'll, sometimes I'll leave it. Or I have, I have so, such a, a vast property that I usually just end up cutting them down, unless they're really nice. But uh, yeah. really enjoy doing that. Do you take any safety courses ahead of time or have some prior knowledge on tree felling or learn as you go or learn as you go <laughs> for me? Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely open to, uh, to doing training, but I never, I never got any training. I just Google and YouTube and yeah. go out there and try it. And uh, doing the TSI is a great place to, to kind of hone your skills because if you mess up, you know, well, whatever, like you just, you're, it's in the middle of the forest and, and no uh, it's a tree that you didn't want anyway. And, yeah. and you, you know, there's no houses or buildings or anything nearby. So you can kind of just, that's how I really got, uh, my confidence about for felling trees. So no doubt they're hard because it's usually, they're not the dominant trees. So, um, they don't want to go down. They don't have a lot of momentum to gain to bring them down. Mm -hmm. Unlike felling a big tree with a huge saw log and a large crown, it's going to crash its way to the bottom somehow, usually. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, we're out of time. I'm from the forest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you missed the show, it was working in the woods with Tyler Evans. We got through most of it, but... Thanks for having the me. The hour goes by fast, you know. Yeah. Thanks Thank for you coming on. Yeah, yeah that's great Tyler. to be able to share. I really appreciate it. This. Love what you guys are doing. All right. Thanks for coming on. And uh, next week, I think we got forestry check-in with the uh, Catskill Forest Association staff. So see you then. All right. See you next week. All right. See you next week. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home. Sidewalk as he stumbled in the street
WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. The Four County Library System and Bookmobile, the library on wheels that visits communities in Broome, Shenango, Delaware, and Otsego counties with all kinds of books, fiction, nonfiction, children's, even large print audiobooks and DVDs. Requests for specific books, authors, or topics, library cards, and the bookmobile schedule at 4CLS.org. The number 4CLS.org or 607-723-8236. The Slider Agency on Main Street in Margaret.